Welcome into Hitting Hard with John Chuckery on this Monday morning today on the show. Look back at the weekend that was for the Hawks. Really good on Friday night. Not so great yesterday, but no reason to panic. And we'll talk about some of these rumors about Kyler Murray coming to the Atlanta Falcons. Okay, anyway, it's Hitting Hard with John Chuckery on Locked on Sports Atlanta. This is Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta, and it starts now. Welcome in to episode 12 of Hitting Hard with John Chuckery on a Monday morning with you. Appreciate everybody being a part of the show. We want you to go to our YouTube channel. Just putting your little browser up there on YouTube, Locked On Sports Atlanta. Hit the subscribe button. Give us a review. Tell us what you think about the show. If you're liking it, don't forget you can check us out on all of your favorite podcast platforms, including Odyssey. And I want you to follow me on my Twitter page. It's at JMCH316. Well, it was a, a mixed bag for the Hawks uh, over the weekend. So when we look back to Friday night, what a great victory. You know, Hawks uh, were really struggling in the first half of that game against Cleveland Cavaliers. Defense did not show up in the first half. Trey Young did not play well. Um, just everything that could go wrong for the Atlanta Hawks. And look, you knew Cleveland would come out motivated, excited, ready to go. This was a chance for them to be in the playoffs for the first time in a long time. You know, they had a phenomenal season. They literally had doubled their win total uh, from the previous year. So everything kind of fell momentum-wise in with the Cleveland Cavaliers. But they've struggled a lot here down the stretch, whereas the Hawks have kind of gotten hot. We knew no John Collins uh, in the game. We knew no Lou Williams was going to be available, but the Hawks found a way to get it done. And, you know, I thought the real kind of X factor in that game was how well DeLon Wright had played. I mean, he literally in the box score, if you look, only scored two points. He had four turnovers uh, in the game, but his defense and rebounding at six rebounds, his defense was outstanding. He really got the momentum on the side for the Atlanta Hawks. And he really kind of just kept defensively everything steady until Trey Young could go off. And thought in the first half, Bogey and Gallinari, they hit a lot of big key buckets in that first half where offensively they were struggling. If you look at what Hunter, you look at Trey, you look at Herder, those guys were really struggling. But I thought Gallinari and Bogey really hit some big shots in that first half and just kind of kept the Hawks at pace. And you know, they got down by only 10 at the half, which it could have been a lot worse considering how bad the Hawks had been shooting the basketball. But in the second half, Trey Young showed why, again, help me understand, why is Trey Young not a viable first-team All-NBA candidate? I'm, I'm, I'm confused. Eighth most minutes in the NBA, most points, most assists, and he's only like third or fourth. Or okay, Anyway, um, that's another discussion for another day. We, we've discussed that before on the show anyway. But he was outstanding in the second half. And, and you see, once he gets things going, once he gets it cranked up and going, then this offense really starts clicking and it helps get everybody else involved. And, you know, when he starts stepping back toward the logo and shooting his threes and hitting them, he's got it all working uh, out there. He was outstanding in the, in the second half of the game, over 30 points in the second half. And he really carried this team. In fact, his point total and his number of assists accounted for more points in the second half for the Hawks than the Cavs scored in the entirety of the second half. And they completely turned that game around in the third quarter. The bad news, of course, was Clint Capella going down, you know, in that first half and 
being knocked out. And of course, we'll talk about Miami here in just a second, but you know, kind of a hyperextended knee. And, and you had to figure once that happened, the quick turnaround because winning on Friday meant that Sunday early afternoon, one o'clock start, Hawks were going to be in uh, Miami to take on the heat. So Trey was outstanding in the second half of that Cavs game, and he really showed you why. And what's great about Trey Young is for one of the first times in Atlanta, and, and I was trying to rack my brain a little bit about this, we have a guy that other cities don't like, other cities fear, and other cities are just, they, they get aggravated or panicked by what Trey Young can do. We've seen it with the Knicks up in New York. You saw it with the Cleveland Cavaliers. You saw him wave into the crowd as he went off the court. You saw him with the little, you know, with the little shimmy, you know, and all that. I mean, everything about Trey Young screams just, this is what we want in Atlanta, right? We love our superstars. We embrace our superstars. And we haven't had guys, I mean, you know, Chipper used to have some fun with the Mets crowd up there. They chant Larry, Larry, now, to the point where Chipper named his son Shea, right, after Shea Stadium. But, you know, even Deion Sanders or Mike Vick, people weren't afraid or aggravated by those guys because they were so talented and they were so fun to watch. And let's be honest, the teams weren't that good that those guys were on. People didn't get mad at Michael Vick. People didn't get mad at Deion Sanders. They appreciated their talent level and how good that they were. So uh, Trey has become a guy that has become the villain that we needed, right? I mean, he's the villain that we long for and want. And listen, you know me, if you listen to me and heard me long enough, you know, I like being the bad guy, right? I like being the heel. I like being the guy that you know, people root against and this, that, and the other. I I am, I embrace it. So Trey Young is, he's like me. Me and him should just give a big hug to one another and embrace the fact that we are heels. You know, we come out and we get our fans cheering and their fans booing. It's exactly what we want. And it's a situation where he's embraced that role and you see him take over games. And again, I don't know how anybody could look at Trey Young play, even in these two nights of just, playing games and not think that he, you know, wasn't great. Now, let's fast forward to what happened yesterday. Yesterday was expected to happen. Hawks go down into Miami and they get obliterated 115-91 yesterday. Did not shoot the ball well. Hawks looked like a tired team. They were 10 for 36 from three-point land. They were only 85% from the free throw line. Only shot 30, uh, basically 38.7% overall lost the rebounding edge and, and all that. So all the factors that we're figuring into all of this was Clint Capella was going to be out. So there's your interior room protector. There's your rebounder. Hawks lost the rebounding uh, edge yesterday. And then no real surprise. What frustrated me about the game yesterday is, you know, Miami's going to crank up the defensive intensity and especially around the perimeter with their defense. And the Hawks were having a difficult time getting a lot of good looks at the basket. But the problem was when the Hawks did get good open looks, they weren't hitting those shots. And I'm, I'm hoping and assuming and thinking it's tired legs. We needed a rest because remember they play Friday night. That game ends, you know, sort of late, a little bit later than normal. I'm going to put it this way. You know, it was, you know, after 10 o'clock, 10 30 on the East coast before that game is done. 
They're trying to shower, clean up, get ready. Clint Capella and that crew has to fly. They're flying right down to Miami because they have to play at 1 o'clock on Sunday. So you're not even an afternoon, later afternoon, late night game or any sort of thing like that. You have to turn around in a very quick amount of time. So I'm not panicked about the Hawks. I'm not concerned about what happened yesterday. But in this series, it's going to be tough for the Hawks to get some of the open looks that they have seen in these last couple of matchups. But when they get them, they have got to hit those things. They they have to find a way, as difficult as it is at times, to get shots up against Miami. When there is a breakdown and you get one of those matchups and you get a guy open, it's Bogey or Herder or whoever, those guys have to knock down shots. I expect Trey Young to play much better in game two. Trey Young was one for 12. I mean, think about some of these numbers. Trey Young is one for 12 from the field. He was 0 for 7 from three point land. Bogdanovich was 0 for 8 from the field. He was 0 for 4 from three point land. Okay, what's the chances that those two guys go 1 for 20 and 0 for behind the three? All right, Slim the Nun and Slim Lee's Town. There's probably very little. Now, does that mean that those guys are going to go off for? you know, a whole crap ton of points and just going to hit threes like crazy. No, but there is a balancing act. And the Hawks look like a tired, worn out team compared to the Miami Heat, who had a week, a week to lay off, relax, get themselves ready for a Hawks team that they knew would be banged up, beat up, tired, things like that. So Hawks back at it coming up uh, tomorrow night. Um, one more in Miami than back home. And State Farm, State Farm Arena on Friday will be rocking, I promise you. That environment is going to be super exciting, and it's going to be a great time down at State Farm on Friday. All right, when we get back, talk a little bit more about this as Capella out, John Collins in, what this sort of looks like moving forward. It is hitting hard with John Chuckery on Locked On Sports Atlanta. Hitting hard with John Chuckery back here with you on Locked On Sports Atlanta on this Monday morning as we recap what the Hawks did over the weekend and, of course, the loss yesterday to the Miami Heat in blowout fashion. I'm not completely surprised by all of that. Don't forget, we want you to go to Locked On Sports Atlanta on our YouTube channel. Hit the subscribe button. Rate us, review us, tell us what you think about the show thus far. And, of course, you can uh, check us out on all of your favorite podcast platforms, including Odyssey. Just look for Locked On Sports Atlanta. And I want you to follow me on my Twitter page, at JMCH316. Now, if there was some good news in the series yesterday or in the game yesterday, it was the return of John Collins. Now, I brought this up last week when we were doing the show that, hmm, could Capella, you know, with Capella being hurt, could this spur the idea of getting John Collins back quicker? Because, and I said this on this podcast, that I did not believe that John Collins was going to come back. I just, I I don't know. I, I, I guess maybe being too negative or something, but I just didn't believe that John Collins was going to come back. And then lo and behold, he shows up yesterday in Miami and he plays 21 minutes and he was fine. I mean, the fact that, first off, the fact that he played 21 minutes surprised me a little bit. He came off the bench, obviously. He was four for six from the field. He did hit a three. He had uh, four rebounds, 10 points. It was actually a plus two while he was uh, on the floor. So the fact was, is that the Hawks were, they kept pace while he was on the floor. That's all good signs. And look, the big thing now about Capella, who it looks like they're going to reevaluate him in a week. Well, if we read some of the tea leaves, so last Friday when he gets hurt, you know, this Friday will be seven games, which just so happens to coincide with him, you know, being looked at on the first time that they're going to play in State Farm Arena. 
So I think it's safe to assume we won't see any Clint Capella tomorrow night uh, in the matchup, which is a big loss because if you think about Capella, you know, obviously his interior defense and rim protection, and he really is an outstanding rebounder. He really is an outstanding guy on the boards. If you look at yesterday, the Hawks got out-rebounded 40-38. to 38. Now, that's not that much or things like that, but you think about what Capella means on the offensive rebounding side of things for the Atlanta Hawks and keeping some extra possessions and just having a guy who can clean the glass and feel like he can protect the rim. So they're going to need John Collins, and I hate to say it this way, but he's going to have to amp up his minutes pretty quickly. I know he's probably going to be on another minutes restriction. I don't know how many minutes they can squeeze out of him, but moving forward, depending on Capella's health, they're going to need John Collins to get toward that 30-minute mark and give them some sort of low-post presence, even if it's not so much offensively, but they need help rebounding the basketball. They need somebody who can help them rebound the basketball without Capella because otherwise you have very limited options. I mean, Gallinari is not going to go down and bang with guys. I mean, he's the ultimate Euro, just get knocked off his feet every chance he gets type of player. So they have literally nobody. And I, even a Kongwu and Dang and some of those guys that they have bigs. I mean, if you look yesterday, um, you know, you look yesterday what the Hawks did. Okongwu had seven rebounds. Okay, that's not terrible. Um, he only played 21 minutes. Dang in six minutes only had one rebound. So you only got eight rebounds out of your, you know, quote-unquote center position. Well, that's about half of what a Clint Capella can give you on the rebounding end. So, And that's going to be important because Miami is going to shoot plenty of threes. They're going to shoot it from the perimeter as they miss those threes. Somebody's got to be able to clean up the boards out there. So hopefully John Collins can get an increased role and hopefully that he can get this thing on track quicker uh, than later. So it, it's going to be tough. And look, does tomorrow night become must win? I don't think so. Believe it or not, I don't think it becomes must win. The reason I say that is, you look at the Hawks last year in the playoffs. Look at how well they played on the road. Yesterday aside, because of all the things, injuries, fatigue, you know, just playing three games in a handful of days, that all factored in. But look at the Hawks last year. They won three games in Philadelphia. They won in Madison Square Garden. You know, they, they went on the road and were warriors last year, going on the road in the playoffs and finding a way to win games. So I don't think tomorrow becomes must win. Look, would you love to split with Miami and switch the home court back to Atlanta? No doubt about it. But I don't think tomorrow is must win. I don't think the Hawks going down two to nothing means that this series is over. Can the Hawks beat the Heat? Yes, if they have enough of their components around, right? If you're telling me that Capella can come back as we move into this series, if you're telling me John Collins' role can step up a little bit and he can contribute, Yes, I feel like that the Hawks match up enough with the Miami Heat that they can hang with them and, and, and they can win a series like this. So I know the importance of, of tomorrow's game. And I'm sure statistically you're going to see like, oh, when a team gets down 2 nothing, you know, and, and has to come back home, they only win blah, 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 blah. I get all that. But I've seen this. Look, I wasn't sure that the Hawks would get through two playing games and get themselves in a series. I've seen this Hawks team enough. And this is the difference between – you know, NBA Joe Bag of Donuts, you know, on the national level versus being here locally. I've seen this team get itself together and figure some things out. You know, just when you think that they don't have things figured out or just when you think that 
they're down and about to get kicked around, they find a way to, to steal a Falcons term, rise up, right? So I, I don't think tomorrow is as much of a must-win game as some people may think that it is, but certainly they have to get some things figured out. And how they bounce back tomorrow is going to be fascinating because you got your teeth kicked in, right? I mean, you, you got beat up, banged up. You got kicked around. You know, one of your starters was out. You did get John back. That was a good thing. You got 21 minutes out of him. Okay. I mean, there's a little bit of that positivity. Your two real scorers on this team combined for one for 20 from the field. All right. So you have to factor that nothing can be worse than that. Right? Bogey can't go 0 for 8 again. Right. Trey can't go 1 for 12 after the performances we just saw on Wednesday and Friday night. So I think there's a lot of things that the Hawks can just say, OK, we got in here short turnaround. You know, we got our butt kicked. Let's get all of that bad mojo out of us. And let's turn around coming up tomorrow because now you get now. Now you don't have to travel. Right. You're, you're in Miami. You had all afternoon yesterday and night. You got today and then you play tomorrow night. So you, you've got a chance to get your legs back underneath you, get a little bit of rest, get a little bit of practice time in. You don't have to go anywhere. There's no travel involved, you know, in any of this stuff. So it's, you know, you're you're in pretty good position. And maybe they steal a game tomorrow because that's what you got to do, right? Just steal one game on the road and you completely turn this series around and you get it back here to Atlanta and you get the home crowd. And that's what I think. Look, do the Hawks have to win tomorrow night? No. But at the same time, do the Hawks have to protect home court advantage when they get home? Yes. You, you can't go 0-2 on the road and then come here and lose you know to miami one of those times you have to you have to hold serve at home so that you can steal a game on the road at some point i don't know if that's tomorrow i don't know if that's late in the series but that's why i don't think that it's must win tomorrow night as long as you come back home and get yourself together and you can keep you know keep serve at home win your home games i think the hawks are in pretty good position and again We'll wait to see if Clint Capella can come back, you know, when we get back here on Friday. We'll see if John Collins' minutes get amped up. But I certainly don't think that the Hawks play this bad again coming up tomorrow night. And I certainly think that you'll see a good bounce back. And look, again, this is a tough, resilient team. Say what you will about how the regular season went. But in the playoffs, they've shown that they are a different breed and a different animal. All right, when we get back, boy, lots of rumors about Kyler Murray coming to the Falcons. Wait a second. I thought we couldn't have a higher pro. Anyway. We'll talk about that next coming up here. It is Hitting Hard with John Chuckry on Locked On Sports Atlanta. Back on Hitting Hard with John Chuckry on Locked On Sports Atlanta. Don't forget, go to our YouTube channel. Just put in the browser search bar, Locked On Sports Atlanta. Find us there. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. Don't forget, give us some reviews. Tell us what you think about the show. Are you enjoying it thus far? Check us out on all your favorite podcast platforms, including Odyssey. And, of course, follow me on Twitter at JMCH. So the rumor mill, the as we say in the wrestling podcast world, the rumor and innuendo is spinning around about, oh, Kyler Murray's not happy. Well, why is he not happy? Because he took the Cardinals off his Twitter page. He took everything off of his Twitter and InstaFace and Snapbook and Facegram. He took it all off there. So supposedly Kyler Murray wants a new contract, right? Surprising, right? He's on a rookie deal, wants to be paid. Like, 
So rumors abound about the Cardinals may have to move on from Kyler Murray and trade him. So who are the possible trade candidates? Well, of course, they throw out the Falcons' name because they need a quarterback, right? Well, they were in the Deshaun Watson discussion, okay? They need a quarterback, okay? I want to I understand something, right? And, and this is why I bring this up, all this hullabaloo about it. Remember, let's go way back in the time machine. Let's go way, way back, okay? All the way to two and a half weeks ago, okay? We're going we're to go way back in, in time, okay? We're going to take the, the time machine back. I want to go all the way back to two and a half weeks ago when the owner of the Atlanta Falcons said, well, yeah, we, we can't. You can't have a guy that takes up 20% of your cabin. All the reasons why they couldn't put, we can't play with 48. Okay. So they can't play with $48 million on the cap with Matt Ryan, but they can play with $46 million on the cap to share. Okay. All right. All right. I'm good. Uh, we can't have this percentage. Okay. I just want to run down for you very quickly here. The top average salaries of quarterbacks in the NFL. Ready? Aaron Rodgers is number one, 50.3 million. Deshaun Watson, number two, 46 million. Pat Mahomes is number three, 45 million dollars. Josh Allen is number four, 43 million dollars. We just saw Derek Carr get an extension, 40.5 million. Matt Stafford got an extension, 40 million. Dak Prescott, 40 million. So help me understand something, okay? And and you can tell me about oh well the Falcons are going to have money next year. Okay, okay. How much you your owner just told me that you can't have a quarterback eat the yeah, but Chuck, you don't understand. Matt was thirty-seven years. What difference does it make what age he is? Nobody said anything about age. The owner came out and said you can't have a quarterback take up X percent of the cap. How do you think you're going to get into the Kyler Murray sweepstakes? You think Kyler Murray is going to play for $35 million a year? Kyler Murray's fifth-year option next year is $29 million. That's a steal. What do you think he's looking for? Is he going to get $230? No, but you don't think he's looking for $150 million guaranteed, $45, $48 million a year? Of course he is. Of course he is. And unless you're going to wait until free agency because he's got this year on his contract and then he's got his fifth-year option, which is $29 million. So if you're, unless you're going to wait a couple of years for free agency, when by then he'll be gone, you're going to have to trade for him. So you're going to be right back in the same boat of, I don't have a good roster Okay, so I got to give up all. What do you think the Cardinals are going to ask for Kyler Murray? You think they're going to ask for anything less than three first rounders and all the same stuff that Watson got? Of course not. They and and Murray's younger and all this stuff. Thirty-eight hundred yards, twenty-four touchdowns. He's playing. Oh yeah, you know what else he doesn't have? All the off-the-field stuff to go along with it. So, are you telling me that the Falcons are going to get right back into bed with a guy where they're going to have to give up a whole ton of draft capital? And you're going to have to fork over a dump truck. a You know, like those really big semis that have like the, the whole back of the semi can raise up like the big long semi bed. Okay. 
you're going to have to fill that up with cash and tip that thing up, probably even get a crane to hook onto the thing and help it lift up because it's going to be so heavy and so filled with money that you're not going to be able to raise the thing all the way up without a crane helping hoist it up. That's the kind of, what do you think? His agents already say, oh, we're pulling the offer off the table and we're not going to go without a contract extension and all this kind of stuff. Now, personally, okay, I think he's going to end up in Arizona and this will all get itself worked out and this is all a big ploy and all this kind of stuff. But this is so funny about the Falcons and all that. The owner came out and said, you can't, oh, historically it's 12% and except for Brady and like he, all of these, he had all of these numbers in the palm of his hand, like ready to recite. He's like, yeah, no quarterback at uh, 13% has, well, what kind of money you think Kyler Murray's asking for? Where do you think he, he's young, first, con- where do you think he's going to go in the pecking order? Well, but we get Matt's money off the books. It's not what your owner was talking about. It's not what Arthur Blank, Arthur Blank didn't say anything about that we got to eat money this year. What Arthur Blank said, his exact words were, you can't have a quarterback take up this percent of the cap. And he's like, and for all those people who say, well, well, the cap's going up. The cap ain't going up that much. They're, they're not adding $100 million on the cap to offset all of that kind of stuff. The cap will go up in increments and things like that. But $45 million is 45 That's the going rate. So if you don't want to pay that kind of rate, then you damn sure better start drafting guys so that you can be like the Cardinals with Kyler Murray and pay him chicken feed. And then his fifth-year option, even at $29 million, is fish heads and rice. Or you ain't going to be in the veteran quarterback business. If you want to be in the veteran quarterback business, Derek Carr has played eight years, been to one playoff game, didn't win it, has no playoff wins, and he's a $40 million quarterback. Well, what the hell you think Kyler Murray's going to ask for? 50? Probably. Mahomes got 45. This guy got 45. Aaron Rodgers just got 50. So that's why when I hear these things, I just my brain explodes. So you're going to write back down the same road of all this draft capital and a massive cap hit for a quarterback. And you don't even have your roster now fixed. Well, I heard somebody say, well, we can draft in the third round and, and get guys. Really? So your third, fourth, fifth round picks this year were Jalen Mayfield, Drew Dahlman, Darren Hall, and Taquan Graham. Those guys will, in three years, you'll be lucky if any of those guys are still on your roster. Hell, in three years, you'll be going down to uh, down South Atlanta and watching him play in that new seven-on-seven football league, that fan-controlled football. Hell, that's where they'll be in three years at this rate that they're going out there. So this idea of Kyler Murray being the man, he's not. He's not. Draft your quarterback, okay? Keep your draft capital. Draft your quarterback. Start building. Draft a quarterback this year. It doesn't work out. Draft a quarterback next year. Doesn't work. You got to get into that mode. Sorry, but the idea of way overspending for a free agent quarterback and you have nothing to put around him except a massive cap hit for him makes no sense. And that's what your owner said. I'm just going off what your owner said for all of it. All right, subscribe to our YouTube channel, Locked On Sports Atlanta. Go over there, subscribe, give us a review, tell us what you think. 
all of your favorite podcast platforms. You can find Locked On Sports Atlanta as well. Check them out on Odyssey, Spotify, all your favorite platforms. And I want you to follow me on my Twitter page at JMCH316. We will be back with you tomorrow. It is Hitting Hard with John Chuckery on Locked On Sports Atlanta.